It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 13th, 2013. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town preaching tonight, and in his absence, Monty Overton joins me on the program. Monty, welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Thank you for being here with us, and we're looking forward to talking with you, Monty. Looking forward to talking with you, our audience, at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room with other listeners and share your thoughts on the program tonight. We want to hear from you on the Virtual Bible Study. We uh, want to take a minute before we start the program to remind you about our Bible Studies in the Park. Monty, those will be occurring next week, Monday and Tuesday night. That's right, and we're excited about it. We know there's going to be some good study taking place, and we'll all be edified and uplifted and encouraged by it. That's right. That will be, take place uh, Monday, June 17th, 2013, and Tuesday, June 18th, 2013, 7 p.m. each evening at Woodland Park in Columbia. And the theme of these studies will be, Does It Matter? We'll be examining the questions, Does It Matter What I Believe? on Monday night, and as well, does it matter what I did to be saved? And then on Tuesday night, we'll look at does it matter what church I attend and does it matter how I worship? Those are some thoughts and some concepts that many in the religious world today are confused about. It is a common thing that we hear that it, it doesn't matter. You do it your way. I'll do it my way. We want to examine those thoughts and compare them with what the scriptures teach to find out if it really does matter to God how we worship, what we did to be saved, what church we attend. And so we'll look at those uh, questions, and we hope that you'll make plans to be with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. Again, Monday night, uh, June 17th, Tuesday night, June 18th, 2013, 7 p.m. each evening at Woodland Park in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more information if you have any questions by emailing us, questions at collegeview.com. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and be a part of those studies in Woodland Park in Columbia, Tennessee. And again, if you have questions, questions at collegeview.com is the easiest way for you to get more information about those uh, about those Bible studies. They'll be at the amphitheater in the Woodland Park uh, area of Columbia, and so we hope you'll make plans to be there. Well, along those lines, Monty, as we see that the religious world does seem to be very confused along the ideas of uh, the fact that it doesn't really matter how you want to serve God. You serve him your way, I'll serve him mine. We want to talk about that on the program tonight and uh, in a broader discussion of moral relativism. Moral relativism, money is the idea that, well, it just doesn't really matter. What you do it may be right for you, and what I do may be right for me, and we may be doing exactly the opposite of each other, but it doesn't really matter. There's really no way to tell what's right and what's wrong. You know, when you take that to an extreme, which sometimes you have to do to prove the point, uh, you understand that there's certain things you have to do to be right. Well, maybe my understanding would be that I need to be an axe murderer, and that's what's right for me, and that's what's right. good for me. Going by their logic, that would be an okay thing for me to be an axe murderer, and an okay thing for you to be a victim. You know, right. but but we can see when we take it out that far that that's not logical at all. It makes no sense whatsoever. All right. Closely related to this idea, Monty, is the idea of religious pluralism, and that's a big word, and it and uh, it needs a little definition. Uh, Wikipedia defines it as the acceptance of all religious paths as equally valid, promoting coexistence, Uh, religious pluralism. And, in fact, you may worship God through Allah. I may worship God through Buddha. Jeff's behind the controls tonight, and uh, he uh, he may worship some tree. But all of those are valid paths to worshiping uh, God. And we just have to accept everything and everyone, and uh, and no one say anything is wrong. Well, that just doesn't make sense to me because if there is a God, and I truly believe that there is, it's logical that he would dictate some form of worship that would be pleasing to him and other things that would be abhorrent to him. And as we study the Bible, we can see that the God of the Bible has done that. He's directed us in the paths that would be pleasing to him. He's also told us some things that are an abomination to him that is just 
totally contradicted to his nature and that he's not going to be pleasing with. So that that's a sensible thing if there's a God, and then there is, and that's a sensible thing for him to have done. But to have just left it up to our wonderment and any old way I do, it doesn't really matter. That's just, it's not a logical thought process. Well, the, the idea is that we're just sort of out here feeling around, and nobody really knows for sure anything. We don't even know for sure if we exist. We don't know if God exists. We don't know what he wants us to do, and, and we can't really be definite about anything is the idea that is being uh, propagated throughout our society today. And we want to look at that on the program tonight. Uh, earlier today, to the update list, we sent out some questions for us to consider. Uh, the first question, if you believe that moral relativism is wrong, what scripture would you use uh, or scriptures would you use to prove that moral relativism is, in fact, wrong? If you think that the concept is correct, what scriptures would you use uh, and would you cite to prove that moral relativism is, in fact, true and the way uh, that uh, God expects things to be? So we want your scriptures to def- to defend your view. you believe moral relativism is right or wrong, let us know your thoughts there. And number two, how has moral relativism or how is it displayed in our culture today? It is rampant, as we mentioned, Monty, and I think we'll see lots of ways that it's displayed in our culture today. That's number two. Number three, how is moral relativism displayed in the religious world today? And it has infected the religious world. We've talked with several people on the program that have adopted this idea, and uh, and so we'll see how it, it displays itself in the religious world. Number four, has moral relativism affected the thinking of Christians? And if so, how? I don't have to ask you the how now, though, Monty, but uh, just in general, do you think it's affected Christians? I'm reasonably certain that it has. We'll talk about that at the end of the program. We need to be aware that it has already affected Christians. It may be affecting us, and we need to be on guard against it because our society is going to try and influence us in these ways. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And then again, join in the chat room to the right of your video window if you're watching us live on the program tonight. Well, Monty, the idea that uh, truth is relative, that uh, that morals are relative, uh, that you can do things exactly the opposite of each other and everybody both be correct, it's really terribly uh, illogical. It makes no sense. Uh, we wouldn't use that kind of rule or that kind of logic in a math class, for instance. Uh, you may have tried when you were younger, Lonnie, to prove to your teacher that 2 plus 2 wasn't 4, but uh, there was only one answer to that, that problem on that test, and you had to get the right answer. I actually did try that once in a math class. <laughs> uh, I was actually going through the formula wrong and even went to the trouble to type it in on my calculator and show him the answer that I got was correct, <laughs> but that didn't change the fact that I had gone through the process wrong to do it. Right. So... Uh, when we go to things like math, we know that there are absolutes, that 2 plus 2 is always going to be 4, and if we get some other answer than that, then there's been an error somewhere. Well, no one would, I mean, people would think that you were insane if you uh, wanted to argue that, well, if little Johnny says 2 plus 2 is equal to 5, then it's all right for him, and that he needs to get along with Susie, who thinks 2 plus 2 is 3. They all need to hold hands and think that everyone's correct and okay. Because that's just the way it is. We can't be sure what 2 plus 2 equals. You know, We should just be rejoicing that they actually come up with some kind of answer. Yeah, right. At least they're working on their math problems, <laughs> yeah, right? They give it some thought. Yeah, right. They love math. They're working on their problems. That's all that matters. Uh, and they were sincere. They were really yeah, trying to get sure the right answer. They were sure that that answer. was the right, right answer. Right. That's right. Uh, we wouldn't do that in math class. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't do it in a lot of other things either. We wouldn't do that uh, in, uh, well, Monty, when you ask your kids to clean the room and you, you came and checked on them and asked them if their room was clean. Uh, you expected an answer, and there was there was only a right or wrong answer. There is either yeah. clean or it wasn't. That's right. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they, they, you know, there wasn't some kind of fuzzy thing here. Well, you know, we can't tell if it's clean or not. Well, and, and there would be times when you asked your children a question like that. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty clean, and and you go in there and it's still relatively messy. And well, what about this? What about that? Oh, I didn't know you meant that too. Yeah. You know, so they start trying to play this relatives and game. Well, it's better than it was. Yeah. Or it's the way I liked it. Or something like that <laughs> it didn't work huh? it, but that didn't work in those kind of cases either right right and uh, there's uh there's definite laws of nature that we understand we understand the law of gravity for instance it's uh it it, it is what it is and there's a certain a rate of acceleration that you can experience as a result of gravity uh and uh that's a that's a definite it's not up for discussion it is what it is you know, and it's comforting to know that that law of gravity is working. Right. Because that means that as I sit here in front of this microphone at this desk tonight, 
you're not going to look up in a minute and see me kind of floating off and heading out through space somewhere right. because gravity is going to hold me down. Right. And so, and that's a comforting thing because I don't really want to be floating one minute and splat to the ground the next. No. I like it here on the ground real right. well. Okay. All right. Well, we understand absolutes and uh, the area of truth in many other aspects, but uh, when it comes to religion, there seems to be a disconnect. Many people believe that um, morals are relative, that the instructions God has given us are relative, and you can interpret them one way, I'll try interpret them another. We can be doing things that are diametrically opposed to each other, and we can bo- say that both of us are correct if moral relativism and religious pluralism is, uh, in fact, the way that God intends for things to be. Let's look to the scriptures. And our first question, Manu, we ask, uh, do you believe that moral relativism, relativism is right or wrong? To that question, uh, Ramona in Texas responded with several passages. Monty, if you can get your Bible ready there, we'll look at them quickly. She first cites uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 8. Romans chapter 2, verse 8, Monty. Uh, you got that there? I have it just a second. All right, here. I'll get it here for you if you want. Uh, Romans 2, verse 8 uh, says, uh, uh, says, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, uh, there will be certain punishment of indignation and wrath and, and so on. But uh, Paul's saying there, he uses the term the truth, and obey or to obey the truth, and he contrasts that with unrighteousness, obeying unrighteousness. Paul sets forth two paths there and two choices. He doesn't say, well, everybody's okay. If, 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 if moral relativism and religious pluralism were correct, Paul had have nothing to condemn there because everybody would be okay. And it's interesting. I like uh, this translation that I'm reading here. It says to those who are self-seeking. The one you read said contentious. Yeah. And I think really when we get down to a lot of this moral relativism, right. that idea of being self-seeking exactly. is, is what the problem is. It's causing that because they're seeking something to satisfy their self or some way that uh, something that pleases them or maybe makes things a little simpler or easier for them rather than following the true path that God is talking about, when it, or Paul was talking about here when he says that they don't obey the truth. All right, good. Ramona goes on, and she references John eighteen thirty seven, where Jesus answers to Pilate, uh, for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that, uh, that is of the truth heareth my voice. Again, truth singular. What Jesus said there is to be heard and to be obeyed. And this uh, concept of moral relativism tells us that, well, we can't know what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus himself wouldn't have been uh, fitting into the mold here of the moral relativist because Jesus said there was one way, the truth. Well, if Jesus was going to be applying himself to moral relativism, he would say everyone that hears my voice hears a version of the truth. Yes. Or uh Something like that. I mean, yeah. he wouldn't have said what no. he said. Right, right. She goes on and references John 8, verse 32, which was on our list as well. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Again, very singular. It seems very restrictive there, Monty. Jesus said the truth. And he didn't say you should know a version of the truth or you should know your own truth. Because a lot of people, oh, this is the truth for me when they start talking about these kinds of things. Yeah. This is the truth as I understand it or something like that. Jesus didn't say that. He said the truth. Well, and, and um, right, and he says you shall know the truth. People today are telling us, well, you can't really know. Mm-hmm. There's no way to say for sure that, Monty, if you're sacrificing babies, uh, that, that to know that that's wrong. Yeah, and if you're going to go by moral relativism and, and really and truly believe that, then sacrificing babies would be okay for me if that's what I felt like the truth was for me. Right. And even though the fact that you didn't like it, okay, Jacob, don't go sacrificing your kids, but you know, I've got a couple right. of spares, and but but it's okay for you to sacrifice your kids and me not to sacrifice mine, and think and think that you're wrong. And it's God's okay. going to be happy with both right. of us. Both of us are okay. That uh, we should just be happy and we should coexist. She goes on references Ephesians chapter five verse seventeen, which Paul says very clearly: Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How can we understand the will of the Lord if it is some kind of vague concept uh, that uh, well, there, anything goes. Well. If anything goes, then there's not a will of the Lord. Right. Other than that, he just absolutely don't care what we do. <laughs> there you go. Titus 1, verse 2, she says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Uh, God was making some definite statements there. And then she references finally 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 6. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What? How in the world would you know a spirit of error? 
according to those who hold to this idea and this concept, there is no such thing as a spirit of error. It couldn't be a spirit of error. Everything is okay. Everything's okay. All right. Very extreme that uh, some of these are going to, but we're going to see as we go on in our discussion tonight that the religious world has been influenced by this. Our culture has been influenced. The religious world has been influenced. And sadly, Christians are being influenced by this concept that, well, you can't really know for sure what God wants you to do. We're going to go to a break, and we'll hopefully get your thoughts during the break. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here's some quotes worth pondering. A theory, like the theory of evolution, is only a suggestion that has never been proved. It should never be regarded as fact until it is proved, which, of course, is not possible with the theory of evolution. Bad times have a value. During such circumstances, a good learner can gain great lessons. Man, wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight and we're glad that you're listening and we look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com as we talk about moral relativism. It is the idea that there's no way to know what is right and what is wrong. Tim is in the chat room and Tim says moral relativism does not mean that everyone is right. It means people have different interpretations uh, interpretations of what is moral, and thus there is no absolute. This is observable in the world. Well, just because people don't interpret morality the right the same way doesn't mean that everyone is right, and doesn't mean that there's not an absolute. Monty, uh, again, we go back to that math uh, illustration. Uh, there were a lot of different answers to the question of two plus two, what it equaled. Uh, just because there were a lot of answers doesn't mean there's not an absolute. Uh, there was an absolute. The teacher used that absolute to grade your papers, and anyone who didn't line up with that absolute was wrong. Well, back to the example I used in the math problem that I argued with the teacher about. Right. Actually, that was when I was in the vocational school. I'd done survived all the way through high school. Oh, wow. I got to they this. They let you out, huh? After a while. <laughs> and I was sure that I was right. Yeah. The fact that I went through the formula the wrong way in just one small aspect didn't change the fact that no. I was wrong. No. Uh, and it wasn't I was relatively right or could have been right, right, I did it wrong. Right. So that you know, there there was an absolute correct way to do that math problem. All right. And so I believe the same thing exists with morals. There's an absolute correct way to view morals. And if if you can be right and I can be right and Jeffrey can be right and Tim can be right and everybody can be right just according to the way they view things, then there is no wrong. And you couldn't condemn anybody for anything. All right. All right, uh, we have an email from Tim. Uh, we uh, we had a discussion with Tim, a lengthy discussion with Tim, uh, a few months ago on the subject of morality. And uh, here is Tim's email to us tonight. He says, I agree with moral relativism. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. And this is the story of Abraham kill, uh, being instructed to offer his son Isaac. He says, in the story of Abraham uh, willing to kill his son for God, I he quotes a gentleman or a, a woman by the name of uh, Carrier. Uh, and here's the quote. I see Abraham's action as thoroughly immoral. A moral response in that situation would be to rebuke God, since the very act of asking Abraham to kill his son merely to prove his own faith would in itself entail that God was malevolent and a villain and uh, God's standing as the supreme creator would not change the fact that his character was thereby reprehensible and thus not worthy of love. A humane story would depict Abraham being praised by God for having dared to issue such a rebuke, for that would have demonstrated that his character and moral courage, his compassion for his son and respect for human life, was greater than the fear of angering God himself. But that is not the message the Bible conveys, a classic example of how the Bible is in conflict with humanist values. Well, this person may disagree and think that it was immoral, but how do, they, how do we make that determination? Again, there is no morality without God's standard. Without, an, without a standard, there is no morality. Who's to say that killing your son is wrong if, uh, if uh, the atheist is correct and there is no God? There is no one to say that. 
Furthermore, Tim goes on, in today's more evolved morals, more people would agree with the above as being a moral response. If your blind faith in God does not allow you to see the serious moral problem with God asking Abraham to kill his son, look at it in a different setting. Do you think it is wrong for gang members to ask people to try to join their gang to kill someone in a drive-by while they watch to prove their loyalty? That is essentially what God did in the story. And if you think God has some type of... uh, if, if you think God is some type of position that makes it so we are not worthy to judge whether he is worthy of our worship, then number one, you have just compromised your morals by doing so. And number two, it would be just like obeying a dictator who was ordering immoral actions. The fact that many people feel what I suggest as being moral and many people suggest that what God and Abraham do for do is moral or further other fundamentalists feeling that they are moral when they strap a bomb to themselves and walk into a busy area shows that there is no moral absolute. Monty, your thoughts? Well, first off, he's talking about in the last paragraph here that many people feel. Uh, it's absolutely irrelevant what I feel. Yes. Because feelings are very subjective and not necessarily based on any type of standard at all. Yes. So the fact that many people feel one way or another or that I feel one way or another is, is, is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is there is a moral standard, and that standard does come from God. And what God told Abraham to do was not wrong. Right. Uh, and the fact that God, that Abraham didn't rebuke God is revealed in the scriptures because it says, I believe in Hebrews chapter 11, that God, that Abraham believed that God would be able to raise Isaac from the dead. Yes. So he didn't have a problem with killing Isaac because he knew God could fix it. Right. So all he was concerned with was proving his willing to be obedient to God to follow the instructions God had given him. Right. And we believe God is the source of morals. And so if God says to do it, it is then by definition moral. And uh, and to say otherwise, again, you have no standard. Who's to say uh, that doing something is immoral if uh, there is no standard that you're going by? You know, and David explains that, I believe, in one of the Psalms when he says, against thee and thee only have I sinned, talking to God or talking about God. If When we sin, it's against God. Uh, it's only wrong because God said it was wrong. Right. Otherwise, we would be like, this moral relativism thing, there's no right, there's no wrong. I couldn't sin against you. You couldn't sin against me. It's just whatever feels good to us. But it's only wrong because God said so. So the sin is actually against God. Now, I may have done something wrong to you that was a sin against God, but it's a sin because it was against God and his will. Right. Tim goes on in the chat room and, uh, and, and adds, Empathy and compassion are a good place to start with understanding what could be considered moral. Tim has defined uh, where... Those who believe in moral relativism and the, the postmodern, uh, the postmodernists today, uh, they define their morality. They define what is right and wrong based upon emotion, empathy, and compassion. Feelings. Feelings, and uh, and feelings are, are not uh, an accurate uh, gauge and determination of what is moral. Well, when you start deciding what's right and wrong by feelings, well, those feelings change from time to time. That's right. Um, if we look back when we were younger and, and, and dating, there was times when they would be some girl or another when I was younger that I just felt madly in love with, and this was the one for me. Right. But for some reason or another in the process of the dating process, my feelings changed for yes. her to the point I didn't even want to ever see her or hear her right. name again. Right. Well, which one was right? Right. You know, if feelings change, they constantly change due to our circumstances, so they're not in any way, shape, form an absolute or even a good gauge of anything. Have you ever been upset with something, maybe at, at, at the workplace, uh, Monty, and you had, uh, in your in your uh, um, emotion, determined that something was the right thing to do, and then you went home and slept on it and realized, when uh, calmer heads prevailed, that what you were going to do was exactly the wrong thing to do? Just for, from time to time at work, I get frustrated at one thing or another or at the a, boss, and I'm ready, ready to quit. quit. That's right. I mean, I'm going to quit. This yeah, is it. I yeah, can't stand yeah, it no yeah. more. Nobody like should have to work yeah, like this. No, well, it's not that the work is so hard. It's just some circumstance yeah, about yeah, right. it just didn't push my buttons just right. 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 And so it was just a feeling. But I'm still there. Right. Because you went I, home and slept on I, it. You realized that I was, I, it was an emotion, and it was wrong. And I've realized that I've become accustomed to live indoors and living indoors and eating regular, and that <laughs> right. I need to continue with That's employment right. if I'm going right. to do that. That's right. All right. Uh, Tim goes on, uh, and it, that is your uh, ideal as you strive for as a moral guide. Others have other ideals. If there is an absolute moral standard, everyone would be on the same understanding of what is right and wrong, and that is not the case. 
Well, the, it's not uh, the case, uh, Tim. The fact that people disagree on morals doesn't uh, determine whether or not there is an absolute standard. Just as uh, people disagree on uh, the, the, res- the answer to math questions we talked about already. Because people disagree doesn't mean that there's not an absolute standard and there's not a right or wrong answer. I mean, two plus two is going to be four. But there's going to be disagreements about that. And I'm sure that at one point in time when I was in the first grade, I didn't put that answer right. on the piece of paper. Well, the teacher couldn't just say, well, we can't teach math anymore because the, the students are, have different answers and they're convinced that there's different answers to this question. So we're just not going to be able to teach it because there's not a, an absolute uh, answer anymore. I mean, I felt like three or five or seven was the correct answer. Right. I was real sure. My feelings would have guided me to that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have wrote it, took the risk of writing that answer on the paper. That didn't change the fact that because I felt it was right, it was still wrong. All right, Tim, just because people disagree on what what is moral and what is not does not mean that there is not an absolute standard. Appreciate your comments tonight, Tim. Appreciate you participating on the program. 877-381-4567. Quickly, as we go on, Chris in the U.K. says that moral relativism is clearly wrong. He cites 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, Or to quote Jesus from John 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said uh, here, Monty, that there's only one way. Well, you know, in uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 33, Jesus is talking and he says that there's a, a straight and narrow way, not a broad anything goes way, but there's one well-defined narrow way to, to go to heaven. Right. And if we get off of that, if we're doing something else, then we're not on that narrow way. And uh, in John chapter 15, verse 6, it says if we don't abide in Jesus, if we don't stay in that way, that we're going to be cast out. Jesus, it seems to me, was fairly certain that there was a moral absolute there, and it had to be done a certain way if we was going to be acceptable to him. Right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. Appreciate uh, the comments tonight. Looking forward to yours as well. Let's see here. We've got to get. Um, we've got a response from Chris in Atlanta. Chris in Atlanta says uh, Scripture is clear that there are absolutes in what is right and wrong. It starts with Genesis chapter two verses sixteen and seventeen. God did not say. You shall not eat from uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die, unless, of course, you're really hungry and there are other extenuating circumstances. He commanded they should not eat of it, period, end of discussion. God used a very absolute truth, absolute morality there in Genesis chapter 2, according to Chris. Chris goes on. We also see in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, we must keep his commandments if we're to enter into heaven. He 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 states that prophecy of Scripture is not up to one's own private interpretation. Lastly, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. If we don't have absolutes, then how could we ever be confident in our salvation? Monty? Well, you know, when you think about what he mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, the devil tried to use this moral relativism thing mm-hmm. with Eve. Or he did use it with Eve, because when he asked her, to, you know, she said in verse two of chapter three, said, "We meet the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat it or touch it, lest you die." And the serpent said to the woman, "You'll not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil." Mm-hmm. So, and then it says Eve in verse six started rationalizing. Well, it looks like it's a it's a good looking fruit. It'll be good for food. Yep. But the thing is, the serpent saying, "Oh, God didn't really mean that." I mean. God just done that so you wouldn't be as smart as him. Right. It basically what he was trying to insinuate there and basically saying that it, it's not really going to be wrong if you do that. It's okay. Well, God had given clear instructions, don't eat, don't even touch that tree. Right. So there was an absolute there. The devil tried to compromise and make it a relative thing, but it didn't work out so well. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts quickly. We need to go to uh, the bottom of the hour break. Uh, again, Chris uh, referenced Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Uh, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or bad, whether it be or whether it, whether it be good or whether it be evil. How do, how do I fear God and keep his commandments if there really is no definite commandment? If there's no standard to go by. And how is he going to bring good things into judgment or evil things? There is no such thing. You know, because if people are saying that good and evil are relative terms... Well, there's not really anything that's good or really anything that's evil. It's just how we choose to look at it. All right, and Anthony contributes to the program tonight from Florida where he sends in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. 
uh, to show this is a false notion. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, that name being Christ Jesus. Monty, uh, they, uh, that seemed pretty absolute. That seems absolute to me. John 14, verse 16, I think we've covered that one already. Uh, John 14, uh, verse 16, uh, says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort that you, he may abide with you forever. There was an idea here of some absolute truth being given to God by the Holy Spirit. You know, that, and then as we go through there, it talks about the spirit of truth, and he was going to reveal the words of Jesus, which came from God. So this is a definite line of absolute there, rather than just a generality. That's right. And then Anthony also references the straight and narrow way uh, in his response. So thank you, Anthony, for those uh, tonight. And Tim in the chat room disagrees with our uh, our analogy here of the math questions. Just because there's different answers on a, on a test doesn't mean that there is no absolute he says that's a cute, uh, that does not relate, cute story, but we're talking about something that is affected by culture, upbringing, mental capacity, social norms, education, et cetera. All these have an effect on developing morals. Uh, math, uh, he says, uh, does not have these things affecting it. Well, we would disagree, Tim. We don't believe that uh, culture, upbringing, mental capacity, social norms, et cetera, uh, determine morality. We believe God uh, uh, determined it with an absolute standard. And uh, that is the standard that we're to follow. Again, just because people disagree does not mean that there is not a standard. We're going to take a break. We'll get a, uh, we'll get some your thoughts during the break, hopefully, via email, questions at collegeview.com. Keep them coming in the chat room. And we'll look forward to hearing from you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. What parent is there that has not been amused to watch their toddlers try to imitate the things that they've seen? Little girls want to cook like mom, and boys would love to work on the car like dad. It's fun to watch. There's a frightening side to this, too. Our kids continue to imitate us even when they get older. No longer is it little Susie trying to wear mom's shoes or Johnny awkwardly wielding dad's hammer. It soon becomes an adolescent who follows all the examples, both good and bad, that have been evidenced by the parents. Dad, do you have a bad temper? Do you speak harshly and in an unkind manner to your wife? Do you lie, cheat, curse? Mom, do you resent your duties as a wife and mother? Do you have trouble being submissive to your husband? Do you get angry without cause? Surely you see our point. No doubt you've thought of all of this many times before. The simple fact is that we are teaching our children mighty lessons by means of the examples we set before them. And there's no area more influenced by these considerations than our children's spiritual development. Many parents have grown to regret their own negligence in serving God when they saw their children begin to imitate their own indifference and apathy. Christian parent, how's your example? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program tonight, we remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find uh, archives of all of our past programs, as well as you can find information on podcasting this program and podcasting sermons that have been recently been presented at the College View Church of Christ. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we'll remind you as we get to toward the end of the program about the Bible studies in the park coming up Monday and Tuesday, June 17th and 18th. Uh, again, uh, stay tuned to the end of the program. We'll talk about that some more. Tim is in the chat room again, Monty, and he okay. wants us to present our proof. The very fact that Tim is arguing that our view of morality is not correct shows that he believes in an absolute standard of morality. Otherwise, Tim has no uh, gr ground to stand on and no mud to throw uh, when he says that our view is wrong because he says there's no standard, so our, our, our view is right. Well, Just well, as right as his. Right. Know? So, so where, where, where we're back to anything goes. That's right. Uh, so it seems quite ironic to me, Tim. Maybe you can tell me why it is not ironic that you want to argue that our view of morality is incorrect. You obviously believe there is a standard of morality. We believe that as well, and we believe that standard is determined by God, not by some empathy or compassion or emotion that one may have. Well, he mentioned in one of the things that determines it is mental capacity. And we have in our legal system, if someone commits a crime, a phrase that they're not guilty by reason of insanity. We don't let them go because they were 
don't have the mental capacity to understand right and wrong. We put them someplace where they'll be safe. Just because they didn't understand Just because they didn't understand. What they did was right. You know, and, and quite often you hear the term, phrase that ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right. You know, I didn't know the speed limit was 30 when I was driving 65 when I came off the interstate. When the state trooper really doesn't care, I may have genuinely not known. Right. But he's still going to write me a ticket because there is a standard there that has to be adhered to. Onesephorus in the chat room says may have already been stated, but if someone believes there are no absolutes, isn't that an absolute statement in and of itself? I would think it is. Yeah. And, again, it seems ironic that those who disagree with the fact that there is an absolute standard would make such a statement and would argue with us uh, because they have, again, conceded the fact uh, when they say there is no absolute. All right, I, Bonnie, I, we also asked a question earlier today. How is moral relativism, moral relativism displayed in our culture today? To, those, uh, to that question, Chris in Georgia says, I think the most glaring example we have today is in all the states seeking to redefine marriage to include same-sex couples. The world's logic is that if two people truly love each other, uh, what uh, does it really matter? We're also bombarded with examples of moral relativism on TV and movies. You see the way it was back in the 60s when TV was much tamer. Just look at what was my all-time favorite show, The Andy Griffith Show. It appears to be wholesome, but Andy is lying and deceiving in almost every episode to save someone's feelings. It is even worse today. Again, that is the, that's the postmodern the, uh, uh, approach that many today would have is all that matters is that you have these uh, feelings and emotions that if you love someone and it's okay, if you're trying to protect someone's feelings, it's okay. Emotion is what determines morality, according to many in the world today in our culture. You know, there's a phrase that we use sometimes, we refer to it as tough love. There's mm -hmm. times when we have to hurt our children or someone we care about's feelings in order to teach them right from wrong or a better way of behaving than what they're doing now. Right. It's not that we enjoy it, but it's necessary in order for them to be a better person. Right. And sometimes that's the case that we have to do the same thing. We have to not be concerned about hurting somebody's feelings as in a teaching that there's an absolute standard and we have to live by. All right. Uh, Chris in the U.K. Uh, cites uh, Isaiah 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put light for darkness and uh, dark for light and light for dark. Uh, put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. If in this day where narrative theology rules and we need to hold things in tension, then what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. Results in nothing is absolute and all is up for interpretation, and the gray expands as the black and white retreats. So love is important, uh, not the morality of the relationship. Tolerance is demanded, but I won't be tolerant to your belief. Science is taught, but not belief, despite the fact that scientific method is a ph philosophical stance and so needs belief. You will have the blending of beliefs like theistic evolution, uh, chrislam, or Unitarian Universalism, gospel presentations not mentioning sin, repentance, or even the cross, but a presentation of that Christ helps us to change the world, makes more moral people and better communities. As And as faith communities become more common, people will start to see or think no faith has all the answers. They can then jump to the belief no answer, no faith has answers, and so secularism becomes more prevalent. Thank you, Chris, uh, for your comments tonight. Um, and then Ramona, uh, she references, uh, she, we missed that in her first one. She references uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 in her response to number one. Um, her answer to number two is how is relativism displayed in our culture today? Uh, she says business, business ethics versus questionable business activities on Wall Street. In other words, uh, Monty, if, it, if you can make a lot of money on it, then maybe it's not so wrong. It must be okay if you yeah. got a if you made money on it. And then do your personal checkbook, cheating on an expense report or cheating on tests to improve your academic record. Again, if it has good results, it must not be that bad. And it's not hurting anybody after all. Right. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And also in the chat room tonight, look forward to hearing from you on the program. Um, Chris in the U.K., since it's a long uh, article or thoughts on um, what he sees happening in America, and he's afraid that it is following what is happening in uh, Europe as well. Uh, in 2004, the total number of Muslims exceeded the number of Anglicans in uh, the U.K., um, and, uh, and he's... Uh, 
that the number of Christians has dropped 10% with a 5% uh, rise in those calling themselves undecided. Um, and so he's afraid that America is uh, is headed down that same road. A lengthy uh, discussion here, very good, um, but it is it is uh, it is scary um, about uh, seeing the trend in our society today, Mike. Yeah, and I agree with Chris that I, I see that our culture is headed the same way here in America as what's gone place taking place already in Europe, because people are getting more and more away from wanting to accept that there's a standard that we need to be living by and more into this anything goes attitude all right uh he says three things helped to bring about this in europe stemming from the enlightenment around 400 years ago changing the source of truth from being the bible in the church to the fact that humans could discover the truth for themselves without god's help the first was rationalism putting its hope in human reason the mind being the seat of learning and its method that of scientific observation and experimentation what was not able to be proved in this way was deemed unsatisfactory and dismissed with skepticism. Scienti- scientism soon came into conflict with Scripture with its focus on debate between creation and evolution. Because this approach was cold, appealing to the mind, but not the heart, a reaction set in. So romanticism came from the motivation of what they felt mattered as much as what they thought. Here the heart was the seat of learning. Truth was to be found through emotion rather than investigation. The emphasis would be on art rather than science. The, meaning, the search for meaningful experiences began, which led to the use of artificial stimulants and addictions to them. So the line between fact and fantasy would become increasingly blurred. This shift from the outward to the inward search for truth, from the experimental to the uh, ex- existential, led to rel- relativism, where things are subjective and modern becomes postmodern leading to changes in belief, behavior, and attitudes. Absolute convictions gave way to relative opinions. Due to the great variety of human beings, each individual thinking and feeling in a different way from others, led to what's true for all giving way to what's true for each, and absolute standards disappear. No one can claim a monopoly on the truth. All religions may have some truth, but none has all. To profess an exclusive knowledge of God is deeply offensive, as that is an absolute claim. Application of moral standards to the community gives way to discussions of ideals and values of the individual and how far these could be shared. Absolutes have opposites. What is true defines what is false. What is right defines what is wrong. Relativism abolishes such distinctions. Black and white are replaced with shades of gray. And so he he says that's uh, a pretty uh, uh, interesting explanation there, Monty, but it seems to be what we're experiencing in our culture. seems that he's defined the way we've been going yeah. very clearly. All right, and so he uh, is, says it uh, looks like it's not headed in the right way in our society, and we would agree. All right, let us know your thoughts. We'll take a break. When we get back, we've got two questions to go, Monty. Is moral relativism dis- being displayed in the religious world today? We think absolutely it is. And then the final question for us to consider, is it being displayed in the lives of Christians? And if so, how? And we need to finish up with how do we protect ourselves against moral relativism as our society is headed that way and pushing and influencing what we do to present or prevent that from occurring in our lives. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. 
I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The number of unmarried couples living together rose 13% from 2009 to 2010, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. In the year 2010, there were 7.5 million opposite-sex unmarried couples living together, up from 6.7 million in 2009. There's a much higher rate of cohabiting couples in the South, 38%, than in the West, 23%, the Midwest, 15%, or the Northeast, also 15%. All of that data is via the Christian Post. In Hebrews 13, verse 4, the Word of God says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we welcome you back as we're talking about moral relativism on the program. We ask the question... How is moral relativism being displayed in the religious world today? And clearly it is. I found an interesting article uh, by someone named Matt Slick, uh, Monty. And uh, he, in his article, he references postmodernism and the emergent church. Let me read the, uh, his, his statement. And I think, you, Monty, you will agree that it is what we see in the religious world today. Generally speaking, those in the emerging church movement are aware of the postmodern mindset and admirably seek to adapt evangelistic efforts to accommodate postmodern thinking. This sometimes means that some emerging churches will feature church services and emphasize relationship, community, common traditional values, while using visual methods, storytelling, and more expressive worship instead of absolute truth constructions derived from Scripture and delivered during preaching and teaching. Emerging churches use paintings, slides, drawings, and candles as visual expressions. In addition, they might show videos or television clips. On occasion, an art uh, uh, installation or exhibit uh, functions as the entire service. And so he says that people who are trying to accommodate this idea that there are no absolute standards, they're focusing on relationships or they're focusing on uh, things that we can agree on. They don't want to look at the absolute standards of God's word, and they don't want to stand on those for fear they might offend someone. And so they're, instead they're going to be relatively vague and light candles and show pretty pictures and hold hands, but no real teaching about what the scriptures say is right and wrong. It's back to a feelings kind of thing right. like we were discussing. Right. All right. Well, that's uh, that. I thought that was an interesting observation. I thought it was very true. Um, Chris, or I'm sorry, Chris in the U.K., says, I may have answered uh, this in uh, number two, but he will add, we fight each other for who has the monopoly of truth or uh, hold their little corner of truth, and media will label them as freaks or extremists and from uh, not from the real world. So we either destroy each other or get sidelined and hence create a vacuum with atheism, atheism with love to fill the void as professions of, uh, of exclusive deity are called deeply offensive. Chris in Atlanta says, you see churches accepting gay couples as members in good standing, women preachers, services held in bars, and you see it in the way religious people dress. Well, I have to agree with that because there's been times at places that I've worshipped that I've seen uh, young women come in dressed the same way I've seen prostitutes dressing in walk, that walk the streets in Nashville near where I was working at the time. So, you know, we can see that Rather than having a strict standard of what we understood to be the proper way for a Christian person to dress, it's been affected by this relative term. Well, I'm not showing as much as they did, or, or you know, it, rather than here's the standard and we're going to adhere to that, it, we start comparing ourselves to ourselves, as the Bible talks about, and that that's foolishness. All right, those are your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Ramona says uh, references the preacher from the Unitarian Universalist Church that we had on the program a few months ago as uh, showing how it's going in the religious world today. If you haven't listened to that program, you might look for it in our archives. Look for the Universal Universalist Unitarian uh, in the archives there and uh, for an interesting discussion of that. Well, we ask, uh, Bonnie, is moral relativism, is it affecting Christians and the thinking of Christians today? And if so, how? Bonnie, your thoughts? Well, I believe it is. And one reason is because you hear more people in the church more and more today talking about gray areas. Now, I don't believe that there are any gray areas 
in the standards that's set forth in the Bible. Okay. There may we may think there are sometimes because we haven't adequately and properly studied and come to the conclusion you based on the facts and the standards set forth in the Bible, so it seems a little ambiguous or gray to us. But I've heard people say that before, people that I had thought at the t- before that were strong, faithful Christians. Right. And after teaching a class and pointing out what I understood and backed up with Scripture to be the way things should be, and then they come up after class, well, you know, I just believe that's a gray area. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you can think you can see things as clearly black and white, but I, you know, I just think there's more gray areas than what you, right. than what you do. Well, I don't think there are any gray areas. That we have a clear standard. Now, sometimes we have to do a good bit of studying to determine and understand what the standard is, but it's still a clear standard. But there's a lot of people in the church today, people that are supposed to be sound Christians, that want to get back to gray areas. And, you know, I, well, that's a gray area, so you do what you think's right in that situation, and I can do this other thing over here, but we'll both be okay. Right. Uh, <clears throat> it is often an unwillingness to uh, take a stand and a willing yeah. to, willingness to compromise. You know, they don't want to, when the Bible's clear that something's wrong, they don't want to stand up and, and teach that because they're afraid they'll hurt somebody's feelings. Right. Well, we can't be concerned. Whose feelings? Would, I'd rather hurt your feelings than God's. I'm sorry, Jacob, but yeah. that's the way it is. You know, we need to be concerned with how God feels on the subject, and really nobody else's feelings really matter. All right. Uh, Chris in the U.K. references uh, people being afraid to stand up for what they believe, and he thinks that's in a way that uh, people are being affected. Uh, Monty, I, I think that uh, our, our, our culture can intimidate us and cause us to not want to stand up for what we believe because people are under the impression that it does you know if you stand up and you're absolute about anything then you're some type of backwood backwoods hick well and when it gets back to what a lot of people with these liberal ideas and these absolute uh, relativism things when when logic fails them then they want to start a name calling you well, if you believe that something's absolute you're a backwoods hick Okay, I'm a backwoods hick, but I still believe it's absolute. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Um, and Chris in uh, Georgia, he says, yes, it has affected Christians. You hear so many Christians today not make a script, take a scriptural stand on issues. Instead, they say, well, the Bible says X, Y, Z, but I feel like it's okay to do this or that. You ever hear Christians saying, well, I feel, uh, this seems to me. And when you take that stand, Monty, you have given up the absolute standard. You're, you've, you've, you've submitted it to emotion and, uh, and human reason. I was talking to a fellow one time, and I showed him in the Bible where, where it said something about the, thing, the topic we was discussing. I don't really remember what the subject was now. But he, his, when he seen that he was clearly wrong, if you're going to stay by the standard, he, then he backed up and says, well, the Spirit leads you one way and he leads me another. Yeah. You know, and basically what he's saying is, I really don't care what the Bible says. This is the way I like it, and that's what I'm going to do. And so it's a selfish attitude. It's all about me rather than about pleasing God. And if you take that uh, view, Monty, on anything, you have to take it on everything. Yeah. And that's where you throw the barn door open. Yeah. And you start it down the slippery slope, and we see where it's going in the religious world today. And Christians need to be aware that when they make a statement like that, where it may seem innocent and harmful enough or harmless for this issue, they are opening the door to... to Really, there's no stopping. Yeah, it, when, when you start that way, rather than adhere to the standard as we can clearly prove in the Bible what it says about any particular subject, well, the Spirit leads you one way and He leads me another. Then it's everything goes. Not it's not just anything goes, but everything goes because you don't have a, a standard anymore. Throw the Bible in the trash and go on and do what you want to do because that's what they're doing. That's what you've done. Now, Ramona in Texas says. Some have come to be very religious, but their moral fiber is weak. In saying sins that have been in the Bible are not now not wrong. She cites suicide, abortion, and homosexuality. Monty, I, I just have to wonder, and I've asked the question in the past, how long till people who, who claim to be members of the Church of Christ are saying that homosexuality is not wrong? Well, it's my understanding that there's places in the country that it says Church of Christ over the door that accept that kind of thing. And I just... So that you get back to just because it says that over the door don't mean that's what it is. No, but it, it just shows you how society rubs off on us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, Monty, 50 years ago, society had a, in general had a, a definite feeling about divorce. And, uh, and it was definitely wrong by many of, in our mm-hmm. society. And that, that view has changed, and it has influenced Christians. And now Christians are starting to defend divorce. And... Uh, for reasons that God is not uh, authorized, yeah, and uh, and I think it's just a matter of time till we 
see people making the same uh, arguments in defense of homosexuality. I don't think it's probably, sadly to say, going to be that long of amount of time. Yeah, right, right. So we've given up uh, our stand on absolutes, Monty, but the, the Bible is very clear uh, that, that absolutes exist. Uh, Jude chapter or Jude verse three, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What in the world was Jude telling these people to do? Didn't he know that there really isn't any standard? There's nothing to contend for because you think you view it one way, I'll view it my way, and we're all okay. You know, in John chapter sixteen. Uh, beginning in verse 5, Jesus says that he was going to send the Spirit to the apostles and that the Spirit would guide them to all truth. Yes. So whatever they had when this when they finished writing the New Testament for us was all truth. They've right. got it down here for us. All right, if we're doing something different than what they wrote, then we've gotten outside of that all truth. When there, it, truth isn't evolving, as Tim would like to say in the email that he sent us, that things, our morality doesn't evolve. Morality is a fixed standard. Right. And we have all truth. We have everything we need to know about morality in the New Testament. Jesus said so. And there's a lot of people that would say, that want to throw out what the apostles said. You know, and I just want to know what Jesus said. Well, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 17, verse 20, that we're to believe by the apostles' words. So we, right. we've got the whole New Testament to go by. Right. We can read it. We can understand it. And we'll have all truth and can go by it. And that hasn't changed because we can take and reference back to documents that are they're, very old documents, and know that we have the same revealed word to us now that was given to nearly 2,000 years ago when the apostles wrote it. All right. Uh, here's a, well, along those lines of the truth that was revealed. Here are some of that truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, beginning. talks about a lot of absolutes. It says there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Lots of ones there, Monty. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they'll ask you when they're asking, trying to ask what religion you are, they'll say, well, what faith are you? Well, the Bible says there's one. That's right. sort of, if you're going to understand that the Bible says there's one faith, yeah. then that's sort of a stupid question. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, John chapter 2, or Second John verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Whosoever uh, transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If, there, if any come unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Honey, how in the world could uh, John write that? Because there isn't anything to abide in. You see it your way, I see it my way. Uh, if, if that's true, if moral relativism is true, then it'd be impossible to not abide in, in, in the Father and the Son because... You just do whatever you want to do. Well, the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. Well, yeah. if moral relativism is the case, and then God is the author of confusion because he hasn't given us clear understanding of what we need to be doing. But the New Testament clearly says that that's not the case, that right. there is a fixed standard. All right, uh, and uh, we need to wrap up with what Jesus said. He said in John chapter 17, verse 17, he prayed to God that, that he would sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. God's word is the absolute standard. And by following that standard, we can fulfill Jesus' desire that he states in verse 21 of John chapter 17, that they may all may be one as thou, Father, art to me, and I in thee, that they may be also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus right. expected us to be unified on an absolute standard, not just some type of vague feeling that no one can define. But an absolute standard of what's right and wrong, that standard being God's word. He expected us to all believe the same thing. He did. And uh, that is uh, that should be our goal. Right. And it is an accomplishable goal, Monty. If it we'll is all, doable. If we'll all lay our feelings and our think-sos aside, our pride aside, and just submit ourselves to what Jesus said, we'll be one and we'll be following an absolute standard. And then we can go to heaven and be with him forever. Absolutely. Well, before we conclude, we need to remind our listeners about the Bible studies in the park coming up this Monday and Tuesday, June 17th and 18th, 2013. Woodland Park at the Amphitheater, 7 o'clock each evening. Does it really matter? Monday night, does it matter what I believe? Does it matter what I did to be saved? Tuesday night, does it matter what church I attend? Does it matter how I worship? David McPherson and my father Greg Gwynn will present lessons on those evenings. Bring your chair and bring your Bibles and study along with us. 7 p.m., June 17th and 18th, Woodland Park Amphitheater, Columbia, Tennessee. We hope you'll be able to make those Bible studies in the park. Monty, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be here tonight. Appreciate the discussion with you. Thank you. I enjoyed it, Jay. And Jeff has been behind the controls. Jeff, we haven't talked to you all night, but thank you for being here, Jeff. 
And uh, thank you for listening to the program. We hope you benefited in, uh, from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.